And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right, that, that's our little series bumper. We are in a series on a mini series on making a difference. Building together. How do we build together? This idea of we are co-workers with God. We are co-laborers with Christ. And Paul wrote that in a bigger letter. And he's talking about how him and Apollos and some of these other guys who are called of God were building the church, building the kingdom of God. And really that idea is bigger than them though. That we're all invited to make a difference and partner with what God is doing on earth. And I love that idea. I love the idea of making a difference. I love the idea of having my life be bigger than myself and being part of something that's bigger than me and seeing that make a lasting impact. So last yeah. week, we talked about how we can do that through serving God. We serve God through serving others. Yeah. That we lay down our life, that Jesus modeled it, that he was a servant. And this week, we're going to talk about it through discipleship. Yep. Discipleship is a church word. It is a word that is you know, not something we say all the time in every area, but really it's the idea of apprenticeship. That's a word we're more familiar with, you know. Maybe you were an apprentice in your job. And the idea is that we are teaching others how to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. That Jesus had 12 disciples and that he calls us to go and make disciples ourselves. We're not making disciples of of Dan or Abigail, though. We're making disciples of Jesus. And so that's how we partner with God to build his kingdom. And so today we want to give you some practical ways of how do I make disciples? Yeah. And, you know, with it being Child Dedication Sunday, we wanted to talk about that mostly through the lens of parenting because a great way to make disciples is to raise your kids to know and love Jesus. Yeah. So we have three M's, and we're going to get to them in just a second. But before Mm -hmm. that, I want you to know, this isn't just for parenting, though. Mm -hmm. This is for anybody who leads a small group, wants to to make a disciple at at work or a friend or a coworker. Anybody who you have influence over, you can start discipling. And so we want to give you these three ways yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about this message. We um, are co-teaching today, if you didn't put that together yet. We're really excited. We're co-workers. This is going to be loud on the microphone. Oh. Sorry. Just nice to, wow. <laughs> I didn't mean to reject your high five. I was like, this is going to be really loud. It's going to hurt right their ears. Face. Yeah. Um, we're excited to bring this message <laughs> together. And um, it's something that we're passionate about, raising up the next generation. And that applies to each and every one of you, like Pastor Dan said. If you're parents, we're going to use some um, illustrations that really apply, apply directly to you. But you can apply this across the board if you're a boss, leader. Really, if you're a human, you are influencing somebody. Um, and so Nobody's this is for you. Nobody's off the hook. If you're a follower of Jesus, these are things that you Absolutely. should be doing. Absolutely. I believe that the biggest impact you may have on the kingdom of God may not be something that you do, but somebody that you raise. Um, and that's for us as parents. That might be the greatest impact that we have. It might be that, some, that person, that child that we raise, or maybe it's that, um, that person in your life that you raise up and disciple. And so we have three M's. Um, this might be a note-taking message, I think. So pull out one. that phone, um, pull out the note app or some paper, three M's. The first one is model. We believe that as an influencer, as a person who's discipling others, we need visible faith. This should be something that is seen and obvious as a believer to those around you and those that you are leading and discipling. Um, Faith should be something that looks like something. It should be visible to the people in your life. Um, It needs to be alive and seen and actually show up in our lives tangibly. Um, I don't think you can model something without some action. 
Um, the Bible says, I will show you my good faith uh, by my good deeds. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And I think that's um, important for us to remember as models and as influencers. Um, we find that in our text, James 2, verse 14 through 18 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I love that. I mean, James is writing that letter to, to remind people your faith should look like something. It should play itself out in your life. If, if you call yourself a believer, but nothing in your life changes, if you're a follower of Jesus, but nothing is different, he's like, you should re- reflect on that. Yeah. Is your faith useful? Is it alive? And he makes it personal, but I can't help but think that it applies to discipleship as well, right? Because if our faith is useless, useless for ourselves, it's, it's not doing anybody else any good either. Yeah. If people are looking at you or me or us and saying, how do I follow Jesus? I want to see what it looks like, but we're not living it out. It's not a very good example. The idea of visible faith is so powerful. I mean, yeah. in the Gospels, it regularly says that they could see faith. Or in Luke 5.20, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Mm. You know, or the story of him lowering the friends through the roof and he says he saw their faith. That's something that when we truly believe something, it changes how we live. If I didn't think that chair was going to support me, I wouldn't sit down. You have to believe it. When you believe something, it changes the way you respond to it. Uh, As disciple makers say, we can't just say, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. We that messes that. people up. Don't say that. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> don't, don't live that. We need to be people of integrity. So this is not going to be something that's surprising to a lot of you. A lot of people outside of the church think Christians are hypocrites. Hmm. Not everybody, but a lot. Barna is a research group, and they did a study, yeah. and they, they looked for the 10 main reasons that people reject faith. The 10 top reasons, and right up there near the top was they view Christians as hypocritical, meaning hmm. they say one thing, but do another. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a follow-up study to say, well, how true is that? You know, that's p- people's perception of Christians, but is that actually true? Are they actually hypocritical? The bad news is yes. <laughs> we were largely more hypocritical than we would like to be. We have this little uh, graph that Barna made, and can you guys see that kind of? A little bit. We'll read it for you. Um, but in the bottom quadrant is 51% of Christians who responded to this survey. And that quadrant would say that th- this line is attitudes going horizontal and vertical is actions. Um, and then this corner would be you are being hypocritical or pharisaical in both your attitudes and your actions. Mm-hmm. The way you think and feel and the way you live uh, is not in line with the love of Jesus. This corner, 21%, they had Christ-like attitude. They thought like Christ. They knew how to think and feel in a biblical way. That was like Jesus. But their, their actions didn't line up with it. 21%. Mm. And then 14%, their actions were, were right. They lined up with Christ, but their motive behind it wasn't. 
They had that self-righteous, look at me, I'm awesome type of attitude. So if you add that up, that's most of it. 86% has some amount of hypocrisy and only 14% of, of Christians actually were living and thinking like Christ in both their actions and their attitudes. Mm-hmm. And our goal isn't that we all just feel bad about ourselves. Our right. goal is to say, hey, if we want to truly make a difference, if we want to see the kingdom of God expand and grow, if we want to raise up the next generation, yes. we have to live out our faith. It has to be a real part of our life in both our actions and our attitudes. Yeah, I think that's so important. And for us as parents to really evaluate, am, am I living out the good news of Jesus Christ that I'm teaching my kids? If I'm telling them we want to live like Jesus, we want to be followers of the way, in my own life so that my, my kids can see it visibly in my life. And it's, it's convicting, and it should convict us all, um, that we need to put some action where our faith is, where our belief system is. And this really, I think, comes down to integrity. We want to be people who aren't spiritually um, dissonant. We want to be people who are saying, I am believing what, and I am acting out of what I believe. Um, I think it's so important that for us as um, parents, as leaders, as people who are influencing, discipling, that we're people who are modeling the way of Jesus. Because if we want our children to be people who help those in need, we must first be people who help those in need. If we want our small groups to be people who study and love the word of God, we must first be people who study and love the word of God. If we want our friends to stand up for the vulnerable, to forgive fast and freely, we must do that first. If we want people um, to fast, pray, study the word of God, we must be the first to go because we're people um, who model the way of Jesus with integrity. And so I just want to encourage you in that. Let your faith be shown to the world. Don't hide it. Um, there's a song that says from, you know, Sunday school, This Little Light of Mine. Would you like to sing it for us, Pastor Dan? Oh, no, thanks. I will pass. Okay, well, that's the song for us in this point and for model. Don't hide your light. Let it shine. Let it be seen before men because it matters um, how you act matters. Yeah, and there's something just so powerful about that life of integrity. And this is by no means saying, hey, you have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. We all know that. The whole gospel is centered around the idea that we all fall short of God's standard. Yeah. But by his grace, we've been saved and transformed and we're slowly becoming more like him. Yeah. The question is, can people see you slowly becoming more like him? Yeah, so good. Are you moving towards Christ? Are you trying to live out your faith in front of others? I mean, Paul regularly says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right. He's saying people need a model. They need somebody that they can look to as we're trying to be like, hey, this is how you follow Jesus. Can they look to your life mm-hmm. and see that? Yeah, so good. I think it's important for us as parents to view our time frame of modeling to our kids um, constrained. We have a limited amount of time with our children as parents. For us, it's, we kind of view it in an 18-year time frame because— We know it's more. We know kids stay longer They're than 18 years back. now. Yeah, they, they leave, they come back. But for us, <laughs> we think about it this way. Dan and I, we have three kids, Judah, Matthias, Poema. Our oldest is nine. Our middle is six. Our daughter is four. Um, for us, it's like we have 18 summers. We have 18 Christmases. 
Uh, we have 18 school years. We have 18 Thanksgivings. We have 18 Easter's. We have 18 birthdays. Do you, want, do you get what I'm saying? It's, we, we think about it this way because we want to live so intentionally with our children that we don't waste a moment. That it's not ordinary. That when we wake up and have breakfast together and we read the Bible together and we pray together, it's not ordinary. It's a gift and it's in a time, it's, we're in a time constraint. Um, Pastor Dan at our previous job in his office had this jar and it was full of 936 marbles and each marble represented one week of a child's life in their 18 years and the the jar is small like 936 marbles is not big um, and it's just staggering. It's eye-opening for us as parents to just view their time as short. Um, and that way, we can have a heart of just intentionality with our kids. And those parents that were up here today, they were, most of the kids were little ones. And so you, this is just the perfect time for you to be hearing this message because it's all ahead of you. Those 18 years are ahead of you. And you can right now decide, I'm going to be intentional. I'm not going to waste any summers. I'm not going to waste those moments with my kids that I get. I'm going to model the way of Jesus. Jesus, and it, and it matters, that integrity matters, um, and I think it's just, uh, it's for us, it's a good way of visualizing um, our time with our kids. It creates a sense of urgency, and so even if you apply this outside of your parenting and just in disciple making, there is, uh, you want to move at the pace of the Holy Spirit, but also remember that you can't just always put it off until tomorrow. Right. You can't just say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out I'll next time. I'll model Jesus I'll, later. Yeah. It's now. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is the majority of the time, people will do what you do, not what you say. Yeah, your kids won't do what you say. They don't do what you say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hopefully they do. But they'll do what you do more than they do what you say because they're watching you constantly. They're looking at you. They're seeing how you treat each other if you're married, how you treat your spouse, how you treat each other. And, I mean, just this week. Dan had a couple things that happened to him that were really unfortunate. Um, it, most people, Dan has an amazing amount of self-control. I Like, he never blows up and gets mad. Most people would maybe say a couple swear words or something. <laughs> Dan never does. And, and Judah saw what happened, our oldest, and was like, Dad, like, aren't you upset? Like, you know, he wasn't, like, freaking out or whatever. Um, and it was just that moment of connecting. Well, we, like, we believe that, in our anger, we're not going to sin. Like when things happen to us that are unfortunate, we're going to model the way of Jesus even in those moments and say, you know what, I'm going to have self-control in this moment um, and model it. And so those small moments matter. Um, they'll do what you do more than they do what you say. And so represent Jesus well. Yeah, so our first M, model. Model. You guys get we it. Visible faith. Yeah, we're going too slow. Second okay. M, mentor. We need a compelling vision. Uh, a mentor yeah. is more than a teacher. A teacher passes along information, and that's very important. We're going to get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But a mentor can see the potential in somebody. Yep. They can call out God's best in them. It's yep. uh, A teacher has knowledge, but a mentor has a vision of who they could be, of their God-given potential. There's so many good examples of this in Scripture. Yes. I think of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he was a mentor to Timothy and so many other pastors. And um, he raised Timothy up. And mm. in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 15 through 17, it says, Even if you had a thousand guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Mm. That We don't have spiritual mothers and fathers. And he goes, For in Christ I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you to imitate me. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Be like me. This is what we just talked about, that model. Yeah. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son whom I love. He wasn't his biological son. 
He was his spiritual son. He loved Timothy and was raising him up in the faith. And he's like, I'm sending him to you. He will remind you of the way of Jesus. I love that you can see who someone else has been around Mm. when that person is mentoring them. That can be positive or negative. You start to see them living it out and acting like they do. We have a friend who's been pastoring for a long time Mm -hmm. at the same church, and he's raised up other pastors underneath him. And we meet these pastors, and we're like, you can tell that person has been around Pastor Al Toledo. They pray like him. Mm -hmm. They talk like him. They care about the same things that he cares about, that he's he has a vision for who they could be, and he's passing along his spiritual DNA. Right, and that is what a mentor is. I, I believe that for us, church, that we can be people who are seeing the gold inside other people and calling it out. Um, maybe you have had a mentor in your life that has seen something inside of you that you had not yet seen. I want us to be people that say, I see something inside of you that you might not see yet and call people up to greater things that God has for them. And as a mentor, that is your calling, that is your job to call out the gold in people and say, there's something inside of you that's greater than what you can see right now. There's something beyond this situation that is greater than what you can see. Um, And just call out the gold. Really, it's speaking life over um, the people that you are discipling, your children, those that you're mentoring. It's speaking life over all the situations that they're walking through. And we have that valuable opportunity as a mentor. Do not take it for granted if you are a mentor. You have that valuable opportunity to speak life over a situation, over a a developing um, soul and say, you are meant for more than this. There is power in our words as mentors. And we even see this in the Bible. We see um, individuals in the Bible who were mentored and were spoken over and it changed the trajectory of their life. If you look at Jacob, he was originally called the heel grabber or supplanter, and he actually became a swindler. But then God renamed him Israel, and it changed his destiny. What was spoken over him changed him. Esther believed that she was in the office of the queen for such a time as this, because Mordecai called it out of her and spoke it over her and said, you are called to, to change um, um, tons of things from the, from the, the um, appointed power that she had. Um, Mordecai was her mentor. Joshua was repeatedly told, be strong and courageous. Even if you have no other words to say, as a mentor, you can speak that over someone. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua was strong and courageous, and he led his ancestors. Um, And Peter was called the rock, and it changed his destiny. His identity was foundational um, to what he did. And that's true of all those people I just listed. Their identity and the things that were spoken over them was foundational to the things that they went and did. And that's what I'm choosing to do over my kids. Um, Instead of saying who... They're, who they're not yet. I'm saying who I see them becoming instead of telling them the, the shortcomings that they may have because we as parents see it first. We see the areas that our kids need to grow and that's part of our responsibility, right, is to see areas of growth. But as a parent, I'm choosing to speak wisely and choose my words wisely and say, this is who you're becoming. You are generous. You are empathetic. You are patient. You are kind. Um, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. And, and I get even way more specific with my 
my kids um, interpersonally because I believe speaking life is so important to their foundation. And, and it starts, it's best when it starts with kids, but you can do this at any age. I mean, because what Abigail is getting at is the idea of identity. Right. And identity in the Christian life is crucial. How we view ourselves and how we believe that God sees us changes everything. And yes, we need to get that from Scripture in our time with the Lord, but it is so powerful when someone outside of that can come in and see it in us. Yeah. That they can call out the gold and say, I see who you're becoming. I see the gift inside of you. Yeah. Paul wrote Timothy two letters that are recorded in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And in, in the letter, he talks about, don't forget to do this, do this. But he says, don't neglect the gift inside of you. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I see the gifting that you have. Right. And he's calling it out. Use it. As, as, as disciple makers, we need to model it. We need to live it out in front of them. But we also need to call out yeah. the God-given potential in everybody. Help them form a strong identity of who they are and who God's calling them to be. Um, so good. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of helping speak life and just asking ourselves the question is, as a parent or a small group leader, as a coworker, as a friend, am I, yeah. am I calling people up or am I pushing people down mm-hmm. in my language? Am I more critical than I am um, inspirational? And it's not mm-hmm. just fluffy inspiration. It's right. saying, I see this inside of you. Yeah. Um, and there's something so powerful that happens. Um, one of our pastors, uh, the director of CMN, created intentional space for us to do this. There was a group of us pastors around, and yeah. uh, one, of the, one of them had their daughter there who uh, was about to go to college and just said, anybody want to just speak what you see over her? And yeah. we all just took a moment and said, this is what we see, God-given inside of you, these characteristics, these giftings. Yeah. And it was a powerful moment and just creating those opportunities um, with everybody in our life of speaking life over them does wonders. So good. All right. The third M, if you're taking notes, is message. We need faith that is rooted in the word. I believe that we are in a moment in our culture where we are abandoning absolute truth. People are abandoning truth. And if we're going to be influencers and disciplers, disciple makers, we need to be people who are rooted in a, in a message that is true. Um, if we throw out the message, we just have people who are good, like morally. But the message is one of the most important things that you can offer as a disciple maker. Um, and I believe it is super important to have a strong message. Yeah, I mean... Rooting everything back to the word of God gives them a strong foundation. I mean, Jesus talks about building your life on the rock and not the sand, on the truth, the unchanging word of God. And there's things about that that come up against our preferences and things like that. But it is the foundation that gives us a strong life in him. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Mm. That's exactly what discipling is. It's correcting, it's training, it's showing them the way. And that's what God's word does. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, that they're ready for every good work, what God has called them to. 
it instills a fear of God over a fear of man. Mm-hmm. It gives us strength. It's, it's what allows Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar because they know truth. Right. Um, it's instilling a gospel foundation and a Bible rootedness in them. Um, right. And that asks us the question, do we know the word mm-hmm. in order to be able to teach it? And it's not that you have to know it perfectly. We don't have to understand and be amazing exegetes of scripture, but we just need to spend time in it and teach them what we've learned. I think of discipleship as simply passing it on. Mm -hmm. Whatever you've received, give it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of discipleship is you don't run out. You just keep getting more and you keep giving it out. It's not like a a pie where you give a slice away and there's a little bit left and you're like, well, I hope I still get some pie. No, it's the more you give away, the more there is. Pumpkin pie. You can't run out. I'm just kidding. Or apple. Or Or apple pie. But yeah, it's passing on what you've been given. So good. It's it's important. Our message needs to be rooted in scripture. Um, and I believe that this can be life-changing for somebody. If you are instilling a message that is true and timeless, it will affect their life for generations. Not only theirs, but their children, their children's children. Um, I believe that instilling a true knowledge of the word of God is crucial in this moment where biblical liter- literacy is at an all-time low. We need to be people who are studying the word of God, who know it, and then who can pass it along and share that piece of the pie. Yeah. Okay. And really quick, um, I want to give an example of how to do this differently Mm. than maybe you've seen it done. So instead of just teaching morality through the Bible and saying, hey, look, Abraham was patient. You should be patient. Right. Um, You could say, hey, look, Abraham trusted that God was faithful to his word. Mm. He saw the nature and character of God and knew that God would fulfill his promise. That teaches something different than just behavior modification. Because we want to instill in them the nature and character of God and who he is. Or Joseph and just saying, look, Joseph had a good attitude when bad things happened. Yes, that's true. And that can be an application. Mm -hmm. But really, Joseph was favored by God and followed what God was doing and was faithful to do and use his gifts in every circumstance. Mm-hmm. And it changes the way we teach scripture. That's when so you good. view it through the, the narrative of how does this relate to how we understand who God is and how he expects us to that's, respond. That's so so in summary, we need to model. We need to have a faith that is lived out, that's alive, contagious. We need to be mentors. We need to Uh, have a God-given vision for who they are, Mm. um, seeing the potential inside of them. And we need a message teaching timeless truth rooted in God's word. And that can seem overwhelming, but Mm. I just want it to be an encouragement. If we want to see more people come to Christ, if we want to raise up people who don't just know about God, but truly know God and love him, we we want to move towards these three things. But what happens if we're just missing one of the three? Yeah, I think it's great. Let's look at what happens when we're missing one of the M's. Okay. The first one, is it on the screen yet? Can I get the first one yeah, on the screen? Yeah, if you have a model and a mentor but no message. You will just have some good people. Um, this, this is like that, like what you were just talking about, having good morals but not rooted in the message, which is the word of God. Um, you'll just have a, a, a good person who maybe does good things, which is not bad, but that's not, our, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to build God's kingdom together, and so let's root it in the message. Yeah, it's good. It's just not good enough. It's just not we good enough. We want them to be good people, and we want them to be rooted in Christ. If yep. you have... Um, a model and a message, but no mentor, it leads to insecurity. Yeah. You know, you, you saw 
people doing it and you know the right thing, but you didn't have somebody come alongside of you and say, I believe you can do it. Yes. I see how you're gifted. I see how you play a role in God's kingdom. It, it leads to insecurity. We're like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Am I able to do it? Right. Um, we need to have mentors in our lives and we need to be mentors so in good. others' lives. And the last one, if you have a mentor and a message, but no model, it leads to hypocrisy. Hmm. Because you have somebody who's telling you you can do it and you know what right is, yeah. but you didn't see somebody do it in humility and the right way, right. and it leads to hypocrisy. hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to just ask, what area, don't just be like, man, I want to do better. Just if you had to pick one of these three things mm-hmm. and say, God, would you help me in this area? What would it be? What would be one thing? Maybe you're just like, I just want to work on modeling it. Mm-hmm. I want to work on living out my faith. Or maybe you're like, I want to get better at speaking life over people, calling out the God-given potential in them. Right. Or maybe for you, it's the message. It's, it's not just saying, hey, don't hit your brother. It's saying, hey, let's love each other the way Christ loved us and, mm-hmm. and rooting it back to the word of God yeah. and just picking one of those and saying, God, would you help me? Yeah. Would you help me? Because there is so much that depends on it. Right. The, the disciple making, the next generation, the people we're influencing are depending on us yes. doing these three Yes. And maybe you are an adult in the room that has adult children and you are maybe feeling feelings about regret or I wish I could have or would have. It is just never too late to implement this. Um, if you are someone in the room that doesn't have kids and you're like, well, I, who should I mentor? Who should I model? And who should I share a message with? Um, God will bring you those people. Um, there is no shortage of people who need a um, mentee. And this is the time. It is not too late. I really believe that the time is now. And in this mini-series that we're in on building together, we believe so deeply in discipleship that it's God's plan and his idea um, to have people who are mentoring other people, bringing them along, saying this is the way. Let's follow after Jesus together. Um, So I just believe so deeply that we can be people in this room um, that really make an impact on the future of our world and of this community um, because of implementing these things. And so be encouraged. Yeah. And just really quick in closing, what if we all did it? Yeah. What if we did this? What if you applied these three M's to your life, to your children, to your coworkers, to your small group, to your friends? If you discipled two people over the next five years yeah. and they went on to disciple two people each, you can see that those two people just turned into four people. And if they go and disciple two people each, it's just exponential. And that's how the kingdom of God works. Right. If we believe in building together, and if we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if we want to see people love and know Christ, to find hope and follow mm-hmm. Jesus, we need to do these things. So church, we're not asking try harder. We're asking spirit empowered, let's do these things together. Yeah. So we want to close by praying for each of you. Yeah. So if you'll stand, we're going to pray over us, ourselves, the church as a whole. God, would you help us do this? Would you help us to be models? Would you help us to be mentors? Would you help us to uh, teach your message? And so, God, we do exactly that. We ask that you would do more through us than we could ask, think, or imagine. God, we cannot do this on our own. We cannot make disciples on our own. It is only by your grace and through your spirit. And so we ask that you would fill us with your spirit fresh and anew, that you would empower us to be disciple makers in our home, in the workplace, in our small group, in our relationships. God, that we would have a, a life that looks like we love you. Yes. 
Not because we just say we do, but because we actually do. God, would we model it well? Would we live the Christian life? Would you empower us to become more like you tomorrow than we were yesterday? Yes, Lord. God, would we move towards you? And as we do, would it be an example to those around us? God, we pray for um, us to be mentors, to, to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you are doing in people's lives. Lord, that we'd see them the way you see them. God, that we wouldn't give up hope, but that we'd believe that you have plans and purposes for them. And God, would we call it out of them? Would we speak gold and truth yes, and your Lord. word over them? God, would you help all of that to be rooted in the truth of the gospel, in the truth of your word? God, would yeah. we know it, would we love it, and would we pass it on? Yes, God. God, would you help us to see more people come to you because of what you're doing in us and through us? Yeah. Jesus, we love you, God. I, I believe that the greatest impact that we can have on the kingdom is not something we do, but somebody that we raise. And so I believe that you would raise up in this room spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers who are going to say, I'm going to implement this, and I'm going to raise up somebody to love you, That somebody that loves you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, somebody um, that makes a difference in the world around them. And so, God, we need more spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. And so I pray that that would arise in in this space, God, today, that you would put it in our hearts that this is our responsibility. This is my responsibility to raise up the next generation, God. It's not for the person next to me. This is for me. And I'm going to take ownership in building the kingdom together. And we can do this together with you by your spirit, God, with your help. And I pray that you would empower us in every way that you'd bring people into our life, not by accident, but on purpose, somebody that we're supposed to bring along. Um, and I pray that every parent in the room would internalize this in God, that we would see each, each passing year, each passing day as a moment that we can be intentional, that we not take for granted, that we would model the way of Jesus and represent you well with integrity, Lord God. And I thank you that you're there with us and you bring so much space for grace when we mess up. God, we're grateful for that today. God, I'm thankful your spirit's in this place right now, Lord Jesus, just speaking to us. And I pray for more of that, God, that you just speak to us, that this would be a word of encouragement and that we would see the potential even in ourselves to be able to do this, not our shortcomings, God, because what you see is our potential. You see us covered by the blood of Jesus. You don't look down and see our shortcomings. You see who we really are. And God, I pray we'd have eyes to see ourselves that way this morning, that you would just give us eyes to see that we're a child of God and that we're made for this. We're made for more. God, I thank you that you're with us this morning. We praise you, Jesus, and we're excited to just speak Jesus right now over our situations, over our family. And as we sing this song, God, I pray that it would rise up from a place of worship and a place of belief that when we speak the name of Jesus, something happens that you change everything. One word, God, can change everything. Yes. And so we're gonna worship you right now, God, with all that we have, with all that we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Will you worship God with us? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.